Welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to empower the next generation of leaders through intentional mentorship. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Pastor Baron Longstreth. Now, before we get into this episode, there's a few things I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you listen and make sure to follow us on social media. This way you can stay up to date on fresh content and brand new episodes. Pastor Baron Longstreth has planted two churches in the city of Tulsa and presently serves as the lead pastor of the church today. He has a passion for his city, missions, developing leaders, and being the best dad he can be. Pastor Longstreth and I are great friends. I love this guy, and I cannot wait to share this awesome content with you. So let's jump in. Welcome, Next Gen Nation, to the Oklahoma Next Gen Podcast. My name is Baron Longstreth, and I am excited about being with you for the next few moments. Before we get into some of the today's content, let me first say thank you to our Next Gen team. They are incredible leaders, very anointed, very passionate, and it is a privilege to serve alongside them. Of course, it is an honor to serve underneath Pastors Rick and Val Hughes, who are critical to uh, the endeavors of this district, as well as uh, overseeing this movement of helping impact the next generation of leaders. Very honored today to be with each of you. I want to give a shout out to our production team. They're doing a fantastic job uh, in making us sound as good as we possibly can. So thank you for that to uh, all those that are working diligently behind the scenes. I do feel like the Lord has um, some material that He wants me to release to the next generation of leaders. I'm very passionate about this material, about this subject matter. I want to begin by uh, telling you a story. It took place, uh, I don't know, about three or four years ago, and I think it'll help set a foundation to uh, some of the content that we have um, to talk about today. So, it was about three or four years ago. My wife and I were uh, going to minister down in Louisiana, and as we were on our way there, we stopped in the Houston airport. I believe it was Houston airport. As we were sitting in the uh, at the gate, getting ready to fly out, I noticed that one of the fellow ministers that was going to be preaching at the same conference had walked up, and I, I walked over to him and I sat down and I introduced myself. I had never met him before. And as I sat down with him, he just began to um, ask me all kinds of different questions about my life, my history, my upbringing, what I was presently doing in the ministry, very interested in the journey. And so I began to unfold some of those answers to the best of my ability. And he, he, was, he was hung up on our investing in multiple campuses at the time. And... And so he began to ask me questions. How do you operate two campuses? And how do you set up your teams? And what does it look like on a given Sunday? And so I began to answer these questions. Then he asked me something. He said, Baron, are you tired? And I'm a young man. 
And, you know, us young men, we're not supposed to be tired. And so I said, well, I said, I, 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 get, I get extremely tired from time to time. And he said, it's exhausting, isn't it? And I was just blown away by the, the openness of this man that I had just met. And I said, yeah, it does. It, it's, it gets exhausting at times. And he said, let me tell you something I learned a long time ago, and I'm going to share it with you. And I said, okay. And he said, Baron, people are the currency of God. God doesn't use money. God doesn't exchange things. He exchanges people. And he uses people in order to purchase the future of his kingdom. And he began to go down and explain the concept of the people of God being the currency of God. And time would uh, prohibit me from going through the entirety of his explanation, but it's summed up in these few words. People truly are the currency of God. And it's that principle that I want to talk to our Oklahoma next-gen leaders about the Stephen moments of ministry. Because there will be Stephen moments in ministry. I'm going to take your attention to Acts, the sixth chapter. Verses one through five give us an excellent foundation. And I'll just give you the concept, and we may pick a couple lines out of Acts 6, one through five. But but what was going on is the the disciples were multiplying. This was a time of growth in the church. And uh, the church was seeing some fantastic things, as we have read up to this point in the book of Acts. There are thousands of people that are being added. Day to day, things are going on. Ministries are being birthed. Leaders are being developed. And the Bible indicates that this was a time of reviving growth and, and strength in the church. We were seeing financial miracles in the church. We were seeing unity in the church. And all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 6, it's, it, it's, it's halted because the persecution of the outside forced the church to really explode. But now it's, it's not a conflict of outside influence against the church. Now we find that the church is, is conflicted from the inside. There was a feeling of neglect. So we would, we would view that in a leadership principle. We would view that as, as uh, holes or gaps in the system. And there was complaints. There was murmuring. And so uh, the disciples got together, and they called the multitude of disciples together. And as they did, they said, listen, we, we can't leave the Word of God to fill these gaps. And so in order for us to fill the gaps, we are going to have to add new leaders to the system, to the fundamental system of the church. And so they did. They called out seven men that were full of, uh, of the Holy Ghost. They, were, uh, they had an honest report, and they had wisdom. And they said, we're going to appoint these men over the business of the church so that we can continue to give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the Word. Because we cannot neglect those things. You cannot. Let me say this. We cannot neglect prayer and the ministry of the Word. Those are critical apostolic uh, fundamentals, and we cannot get away from. There is nothing in, in our ministry that 
can take the place of prayer and ministry of the Word. And so they said in order for us to properly maintain uh, the, the church and the, the, the necessary and to lay the necessary steps for the present and future of the church, we are going to have to continue to give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the Word. And so for us to be able to do that, we're going to have to release men that are of an honest report for the Holy Ghost. And of course, we want them to be men of wisdom. And so the church is is uh, focusing, it's a time of focus on calling, and it's a time of furthering, of course. And so to focus on calling, we have to go back to prayer and ministry of the Word. And to further the course of the church, we have to appoint capable leaders. And two of those leaders, two of the seven of those leaders, we read in the next few chapters that really are fundamental leaders in the apostolic church. The first one that we get is the man by the name of Stephen. And the Bible says that he's not only obviously of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, but Stephen is a man, as we read down, he's full of faith. He is full of the Holy Ghost. He is a, uh, and we're going to read about him, he is a fantastic leader in the church. And then the Bible says in the same, almost the same breath, it says that they not only chose Stephen, they also chose Philip. And then so on and so forth, the next five men. But the Word talks about Stephen. Stephen was, was a man in which uh, would, would do great wonders. We read about this in, in verse number 8. And Stephen, full of faith. Now we're adding to what Stephen was or who he was, the character of Stephen. So he's full of faith. He's full of power. He has an authority to him. He does great wonders and miracles among the people. I'm telling you, guys, Stephen was one of those up-and-coming leaders in the church that, that we would see as, wow, he would be on the rotation in our circuit. Stephen was one of those men. The Bible goes on to say that as they, as they sat in council, they looked at Stephen and they saw that his face had been as the face of of an angel. Stephen was a, he would have been that leader that we would have all said, there he is right there. That is the, the, the future of the apostolic church. That is the future of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the people of God. There is the next gen leader right there. But then one chapter later, Chapter number 7, verses 58 through 60, after Stephen preaches one of the longest messages that is recorded in the New Testament. Perhaps it is the longest message recorded in the New Testament. The Bible says that they take him outside of the city and they stone him. The witnesses laid their clothes down at the young man's feet named Saul, and they took Stephen, they stoned him, and Stephen calls upon the name of the Lord and says, Receive my spirit. And he kneels down and cries out with a loud voice. No, now there's no more wonders. Now there's no more miracles. Now uh, now there's, uh, there's no more power being displayed. Now what we have is Stephen saying, Do not hold this sin against them. And the Bible indicates that Stephen dies. 
And almost as suddenly as he rises into this place of fame, he falls to this place of obscurity. A Stephen moment for the church. And what I would say as a, as a, uh, a terrible follow-up to this man's life is, is described in, in the uh, first few verses of Acts 8, and this is what it says. This is the sum total of Stephen's life right now. This is the tribute that's given to him. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. That's what we got. That's what we have. But it doesn't stop there. Stephen is buried, but the Bible says in verse number 5 that Philip preaches on. And I, I want to tell this, this group of, of, of leaders in this great state that there are moments that seem unfair in the kingdom of God. There are moments where uh, you know, we have more to give, but it doesn't seem like we have the opportunity to be able to give. Stephen's life seems almost abruptly no, it's not almost. He, it is abruptly ended. This is a shot to the church that that utilized Stephen's life and ministry as filling a necessary gap, and then all of a sudden, devout men carry him off to his burial. That's what we have. We have a Stephen moment. It's birthed into the church now. What could have been was now no longer, and yet... Philip gets to preach on. Philip gets to continue on ministry. They, they are anointed. Hear me now. They are anointed at the same time. They are called and commissioned together. They, they are, uh, um, they're, they're together when, when the brethren lay hands on them. But Philip preaches on and Stephen now is buried. But, but they're both men of honest uh, you know they're honest. They're of honest report, and they're full of the Holy Ghost. They're men of that have wisdom. But now Philip preaches on, and Stephen's buried. I want to challenge all the listeners today, and I'm going to tell you to hold fast and hold on. Don't make a judgment call. Don't rush to a decision when a Stephen moment takes place, because there will be moments where we say this does not make any sense. And if history would not continue to record in the book of Acts, then the life of Stephen, the death rather of Stephen, would not make any sense except for the currency that God used. Oh, he used a Stephen to purchase a Saul. In the life of Stephen, the use of Stephen, when God said, I'm going to allow him to be a part of wonders and miracles, and, and then I'm going to take his life, and I am going to, I'm going to utilize that life, and I'm going to spend that life in order to purchase me a Saul, later became Paul. Philip preaches on, but Stephen was used in order to purchase a Paul. And where would the church be without Paul? And we have to have a bigger picture mentality. We have to understand, as the book of Daniel gives us, that it's in chapter 2, I think, in 21 and 22. This is what it says. It says that, and he changes the times 
and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in darkness and the light dwelleth with him. There are going to be moments in our ministry where we will raise up and other moments where we will be removed. But if we have an understanding that I am being utilized for the king, for the kingdom. Let me say this, that true submission to the king means that he does not require my permission to fulfill his proclamations. We must remain true to the process of knowing that God has a kingdom-minded mentality and however I can be utilized as a minister in his kingdom, let me be utilized. Now, these moments have taken place in all of our lives. And if they haven't taken place in your life, they will. There always has been Stephen moments. There always will be Stephen moments. Moments that do not make sense. Because I can't see the end from the beginning. All of these things don't line up to me. But if I can submit myself to the process, I don't I I, I cannot require God to be fair. I have to submit to him being just. Is it amazing that in the book of Matthew, chapter number 11, that we get a glimpse of the end of John's life? One translation states it like this. Meanwhile, John heard in prison about the works of Christ. Meanwhile. He's a front runner. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He's a part of the baptism of Jesus Christ because Jesus is coming to him and saying, it's for all righteousness to be fulfilled. And John now finds himself in prison. And the Bible says that the works of Christ are being done. And meanwhile, John just hears about it. Now it's secondhand. At one time, John is on, on the pinnacle. He's, 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 he's on cloud nine, ministering, front running for the Christ, the Messiah. And now he's in the middle of a meanwhile. Guys, you've got to understand that Stephen moments will come. There are times when, when we, will, uh, we will be established as kings, if you would, and then times where we will need to be removed. But if I can understand that God has a greater understanding, if I can release myself to the fact that God needs me to be used sometimes on the mountaintops and other times He needs me to be utilized in the valleys. Sometimes He... He, he allows these Stephen moments in my life, things that end abruptly that I do not understand. They don't make any sense to me. Why this time? Why, why this instance? Why this hardship? Why, why am I dealing with this? Why am I going through this? Why, why am I dealing with this broken relationship? Or so on and so forth. And we just have to submit. If we are underneath the leading and the guidance of God and we are staying submitted to Him, there will be these moments in life. There will be these meanwhiles in life. There will be times, like David said, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaints before Him. I reveal my trouble to Him. I don't understand. I don't understand is what David is saying. There will be Stephen moments in ministry. But oh, the outcome 
of the Stephen moment. Oh, if the church was able to see uh, 30 years into the future, it would have rejoiced at the death of Stephen immediately. Not that Stephen was removed from the picture, but that Stephen's life served the greater cause of the kingdom to purchase Paul. In the influence of a Paul, the influence that he has had around the world, the, the gospel that began to, uh, to be preached to the Gentiles the way it was, it took a Stephen to get that word out. And if we could see in the future, we would understand, oh, his kingdom. Oh, how his kingdom has been exalted because of this Stephen moment in my life. I'm going to end right here. Elijah's life, he's hundreds of miles away from the initial calling of God when he is at Mount Sinai. He's now hidden in a cave. He's in a moment that he does not understand. And the Lord asks him a question. And he says, what are you doing here? Why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah goes on to say that I, I'm the only one and I, the people were trying to pursue me and they're trying to kill me. And, and the Lord again reveals himself to Elijah, not in a way that Elijah was used to. The fire had fallen on Mount Carmel. The wind had blown in the cloud uh, to Mount Carmel area. Oh, the earth had trembled beneath the feet of Elijah as Elijah had run underneath the anointing and, and the power of the Almighty God, outrunning the chariot down the mountain. But now Elijah hears the still small voice. And this is what the Lord says. What are you doing here? That was a Stephen moment. That was a Stephen moment for Elijah. I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand why all this is going on. I thought, I thought when the fire fell on, 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 on Mount Carmel and I thought the nation would turn to you and I don't understand what's going on. And here's what the Lord tells him to do. I want you to go back. I want you to go back the way that you came. And I want you to anoint two kings and one, uh, one prophet. Now the reason I'm going to Elijah's life is right here. Elijah, there is still a future. And in fact, the future is going to be better than the past. You mean it's going to be better than calling fire down from heaven? Yes. It's going to be better than, than uh, you know, being a part of seeing death overtaken by life as, as I laid across that young child. And, and yes, it's going to be better than that. It's going to be better than the miracle of the flower never running out? Yes. The oil never running dry? Yes. It's going to be better than the fire coming down on Mount Carmel? Yes. It's going to be better than, uh, you know, than eliminating false prophets? Yes. The future is better. Do not be defined by the Stephen moment. Why? Because the future, the future, and I'm here to tell all of our next-gen leaders that there will be Stephen moments in ministry. However, the future, you lay your hands up upon Elisha. You lay your hands upon Jehu. You lay your hands upon the future king of Syria because I'm going to make my kingdom better. Don't be defined by the Stephen moments. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. God bless you. 
I believe in every single one of you, and I cannot wait to see what the future holds for our Oklahoma Next Gen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode. In our next episode, we'll be hearing from Raina Longstreth. Raina is an awesome person. She's a prayer warrior and a great worship leader. I can't wait for you to catch this content coming up in our next episode. And like always, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, like us on social media, and be sure to leave us a review. This way, this content can reach more people.